People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. As I was watching these episodes, I was so tuned into the fact that we will never get this level of unfiltered content from them ever again. No matter how deep the Hulu show goes, we're never going to get Chloe giving teenage Kendall and Kylie the sex talk. You know, that is just a thing of the past. Every single episode of these seasons that we're watching, I am so caught off guard by the chaos and the lack of care in the best way possible because combined it just creates for the best television we've ever watched. I know. They just didn't need to be that polished. And the other thing is, you know, yeah, they were six seasons in. Clearly it was proving to be successful, but they still had something to prove. And when you have something to prove, you just give content in a very different way. And holy shit, I can't believe we get to see this. I mean, I think I said it last week, but this right here is the golden ages of Kardashians. Well, they're the perfect amount of fame. They're just famous enough that we care about everything that they're doing. They're starting to have these really big projects and these really big moments. And so you still feel like you're along for the ride with them and you're watching them get more and more famous as it goes. But at the same time, they're not so famous that they have to think through every single thing that they're putting out, that they have to be so calculated and careful and polished, like you said. No, it is so good. I mean, you guys realize we are getting Kim's first psoriasis breakout days before her Skechers shape up photo shoot. Like that is peak television. Kim's psoriasis was like one of those things where it was like, do you remember where you were the first time you found out that Kim Kardashian suffered from psoriasis? Because I do. I had no understanding of what psoriasis was until the Kardashians. And and even rewatching it, you can see it was so deeply dramatized that for a moment you feel that it's potentially life-threatening. No, that was like a very big plot at the time. And it was a very big plot that continued after this episode. Oh, are you kidding me? It was one of the defining storylines of some of the earlier seasons, which by the way, if you would have told me that watching this, Kim is doing her Skechers shape up video shoot and 10 or so years later, Kanye is going to be outside of the Skechers headquarters after he's dropped by Adidas. Like, whoa, life comes at you fast. Talk about how it started versus how it's going. Wow. That really, that really hit me. (laughs) That'll catch you off guard, right? You know what else it is with these episodes? I feel like when we're recapping 
the later seasons of Kardashians and we're recapping the Hulu show, every plot point needed to be like the biggest plot point ever. Like from our point of view, what we wanted as the viewer, like we wanted them to talk about the most serious thing going on in their life. We wanted them to talk about the most dramatic thing going on in their lives. When I'm watching these episodes, I am so thrilled and so happy for all of these plot points to be stupid. They were all kind of nothing plot points. And yet I I can't even tell you, I couldn't have enjoyed them more and I couldn't have been more invested in them. But I was saying to you last week that, you know, when you watch, let's say four or five episodes in a row, you really understand how they did what they did because yeah, maybe 90% of them are super trivial things that don't matter, clearly dramatized for the show. But then that 10% is very real. Even a little bit of what we get into here with Scott and Rob, you know, it never gets to the breaking point by any means in these episodes, but you can start to see threads of it, which was a very real conflict that occurred between the two of them. I mean, things were not good at that time. One of my biggest takeaways in watching these episodes is the side plots almost of all of their relationships with each other, even the ones that aren't as discussed. Like we have spent so much time talking about the relationship between Courtney and Chloe and Kim. We have spent a lot of time talking about the relationship between Chris and Kylie and Chris and Kim and Chris and Chloe, like those different combinations. But we never talk about the relationship between Rob and Courtney, for example, or Chloe and Caitlin, which was such a huge part of every single one of these episodes. They had such a special bond at this time. I know, and I do want to talk more about Chloe and Caitlin because as I was watching this, I was really wondering where they stand today. I know we have kind of a baseline understanding of what goes on, and they're certainly cordial, but I do wonder in the last, let's say, few years, once the initial dust had settled after the divorce and after the book came out, what's the deal with them? But really more so, we don't talk about Rob's relationships with any of them because we haven't been able to see any of it. You know, it would all be speculation at this point because it's been years since we've really gotten a firsthand understanding. But back in the day, Rob was a huge part of the show. Whereas like now I couldn't even try to tell you where I think that him and Courtney are at. I, I haven't seen them interact in years. It's so difficult to say. The only relationship in terms of Rob's that I feel comfortable or feel like we get any sort of an insider look to is his relationship with Chloe. And that's mainly just because we know how often Dream and True are together and the way that they're, you know, being raised almost as siblings, even closer than some of the other cousins, I feel like at times. But yeah, in terms of his relationship with Courtney, you know, as far as we know, he may not have gone to Courtney's wedding. It's a huge mystery. Yeah, I mean, with Chloe and Rob, you're right. We do have the insight based on how much time Dream and True seem to spend together. But also, it was just different with them from the beginning. You know, him living with Chloe and Lamar was representative of a relationship he had with her that he just didn't have with anyone else. Not to say he wasn't close with them, but it was different with Chloe. And as we get into some of these later seasons, and you see that the siblings do have frustration with Chris for the way that they feel she's kind of babying him or enabling him. Chloe has those frustrations as well, but in a different way than Kim and Courtney do. Right. Well, I think all of them are very protective of Rob. With Chloe, it was always a little bit different and always maybe a little bit more maternal, but it was also always a little bit more enabling of Rob. I mean, in these seasons, Rob is living with Chloe. There's a comment that Rob makes a couple of episodes ago about 
Chloe giving him an allowance. I don't know if that was joking or not, but I have to assume that it wasn't. And so they all have this very special relationship with Rob that I think we saw a lot in the earlier seasons of Kardashians that I think as Rob's behavior became more of a point of contention with the family, maybe those relationships changed a little bit in a way that I don't believe Chloe's and Rob's ever did. No. And I also will maintain, yes, of course, there was a huge falling out with Rob and Lamar after everything that went down. And of course, how protective Rob then felt over Chloe. But I do believe that the relationship Rob had with Lamar specifically at this point in his life is one that he will look back on and say it was really the familial male bond that he so deeply missed after Robert passed away. And it was a different kind of relationship than I think he had with any other man in his life at the time, really. Well, in this episode, one of the points of contention between Rob and Courtney is that Rob isn't really around. Rob isn't really visiting Mason. Rob and Courtney seem to not have that same relationship they once had. And Rob basically blames that on the fact of he just doesn't want to be around Scott. And the reason that he doesn't want to be around Scott, he says, is because him and Scott used to be really close and they used to hang out a lot. But then living with Chloe and Lamar, he was able to see the way that Lamar treats Chloe. And he was like, well, that's not the same in that relationship. Scott doesn't treat Courtney nearly as good. That's how my sister deserves to be treated. And so I can't spend my time with Scott anymore. And so even just Lamar's presence in his life in terms of his relationship with Chloe was so additive in terms of the way that he viewed other relationships. But, you know, as you were just talking, I was thinking to myself, of course, as the brother, you know, you may connect with your sister's boyfriend or husband for your mutual interest, whatever it is, but also you care a lot about the way that they treat them. And if you look at the track record there in terms of Rob's relationships with their partners, we start out with Scott, which as we know in this episode, he's really not a fan of based on how he feels he's been treating Courtney. He then, of course, falls in love with Lamar. We know how that turns into. Any relationship he may or may not have had with Kanye, I am sure has disintegrated for many reasons, but on top of those reasons, the way that Kanye treated Kim. And you know, even just look at Chloe and Tristan. And I know that Rob and Tristan was a real relationship. And then look what that turned into. So if I'm Rob, I'm actually maybe even a little bit hesitant to get close to my sister's partners based on the the anger. I'm not to say he should be expecting to feel, but at this point he may be expecting to feel based on how many times they've been burned and subsequently he's been burned in the past. I would be so interested if there's any relationship that exists between Rob and Travis Barker, because I mean, if you're going to pick one to put all of your eggs in a basket of like, okay, this time it's right. I mean, to me, that's the safest bet you could ever make. Yeah. I, they don't really seem like just on a personality level, not that I know either of them personally, they don't necessarily seem like the two that I consider to be boys, but you never know. I don't either, but I also don't feel like I know Rob well enough at all to be able to say that statement. It's really true. And I know we sometimes talk about how Kendall has somehow carved out this spot in the family where she can benefit from all of the benefits of being a Kardashian-Jenner, yet at the same time, she's somehow able to maintain a certain level of privacy. With Rob, it's a whole different situation because 
you know, yes, of course he receives many of the benefits and he will receive those benefits years down the line, but it's different than, you know, what Kendall has done with that fame and the type of money that she's bringing in. However, in terms of the privacy, I mean, it's not just that he has privacy that's unique for a Kardashian. He has privacy that's unique for a celebrity. I mean, he has really made it a priority and the rest of the family has supported him in he will not have his actions up for public consumption. And he's somehow able to do it. I mean, watching these episodes, imagine if somebody were to tell you, in a couple of years, it will be a very big deal to spot Rob in the background of an Instagram story of the family having dinner. Right. I mean, at this point in what we're watching, he was an absolutely integral part of the show. And it was also something that he seemingly really enjoyed doing. And it's it's just fascinating to see the difference in the way that they've all received fame and what they've chosen to do with it. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. I know that kind of turned into a much more general discussion on Rob when really the core of episode five is not only his medical emergency and the aftermath of that, but also, like you said, getting to the root of his relationship with Courtney, why they've drifted and finding out that that really is because of the way he feels about Scott. But something I was thinking about while watching this, just to wrap it up, is 
when he eventually goes to Courtney's house and they have this sit down, you know, one of the concerns that he voices and she voices is the fact that because of his issues with Scott, he's really not seeing Mason. And it's so important to him and to her for him and Mason to have a relationship. And as I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, at this point, there was only one grandchild. Mason was the only game in town. He was the first niece or nephew that any of them had. And you see that that also was a learning curve. You know, for some of them, becoming an, an aunt was very natural for Chloe, for example. But for Rob, he was so much younger at the time that it didn't come as naturally. And I'm sure him watching this now, being a parent himself, he would have a totally different perspective because there was a level of almost disconnect to Mason as much as he, of course, loved him so much that he was allowing himself to have based on Scott. Whereas I think now, specifically after having Dream, there was nothing that would get in the way of him having a relationship with his siblings' children, you know? Yeah. I mean, listen, Rob is 23 here. And like Rob is just a true 23-year-old boy. Like there's no other way around it. He loves Mason. He wants to have a relationship with him. He hits this point in the episode where he realizes like, wow, I really need to like step it up and be an uncle because it's something I want for myself. But what Rob struggles with or, or doesn't even acknowledge or know that he's struggling with is the concept of having responsibility to somebody other than himself. Right now, he is just living at Chloe's house, playing video games with Lamar not really doing anything, going out with his friends on the weekend or the weekdays, according to Courtney in this episode. And there's very little responsibility there to anybody. And so the idea of stepping up and being an uncle, I think in his mind, it's not that it was a matter of responsibility. It was just he had to kind of be a little less selfish in order to make that happen because it involved him having to put up with Scott, which he didn't want to do. No, and it was something that, of course, evolved as he evolved and as he matured. But I will say in his defense, even though in these episodes, Scott is bearable, there were times here where being around Scott really was unbearable. And Rob specifically got a first row seat to that. I mean, let us not forget the infamous Vegas situation. Rob was right there with him for it. And I do think that that was something that stuck in Rob's mind in like a very serious way. You know, yes, of course, some of it was the anger he felt towards Scott based on how he was treating Courtney, but also he was kind of just a dick. And especially to your earlier point, especially after getting so close with Lamar and seeing what brotherhood could be like, in addition to how someone could treat one of your sisters, he had no patience for Scott. And I, I think that you can't have this conversation about their relationship when you're talking specifically about what was going on in this episode and not also bring in the element of him being new at being an uncle and having no understanding of this whole new generation that his issues were going to have to kind of take a back seat to. Also, if I'm Rob, I'm staying away from Scott as to not call attention to myself. Like, if Scott's going to crash and burn in Vegas or Scott's going to go out and, and do what he's done in the past, Rob's like, I'm going to stay away from that so I can continue to do my thing without being, you know, it, it being really called to everyone's attention by being associated with Scott. Because once you and Scott are a team together, you can't get away with anything anymore. When you're doing it on your own and you're kind of living in Chloe's guest house, you get away with a lot more. Right. Like Chris is actually kind of down to enable Rob as long as it's a solo act. The second he teams up with Scott, she's far less sympathetic to that behavior. Exactly. The one last thing in this episode that I wanted to mention, just because it's kind of a callback to last week, you know, 
last week, I think you said something like, even in some of these side plots that were significantly less important, you could pick up bits and pieces of Chris and Caitlin's relationship that were very telling something was off. And this second plot line, which again was total fluff where Caitlin's losing her hearing and Kendall, Kylie, and Chris really want her to go see a doctor. And she does. Turns out she just has a maybe a little bit of hearing loss, but also selective hearing in terms of not really wanting to listen to Chris. And when they have that conversation, yes, joking in nature – Caitlin does say something like, you know, sometimes it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. Again, all under the umbrella of this relatively lighthearted conversation, but the root of it was that Caitlin was feeling disrespected and almost barked at by Chris. And Chris had no patience for that, by the way. It wasn't like Caitlin said, this is how I'm feeling. I wish you would kind of change the way in which you speak to me because I think that I would then receive that a little bit better. <laughs> and and Chris was like, okay, I understand that. Let me work on that. It was like Caitlin said it, and Chris was so offended by the selective hearing that nothing else that Caitlin said even mattered. No, I know. I mean, conflict resolution just wasn't necessarily their forte together. I know I said that in these episodes, you can see the beginnings of the end of their relationship, or you can see where things were really not working, and you can see that they were almost beyond repair at certain points. We're getting into the area where you can see that this relationship is just done. There's a clear lack of respect there. In the beginning seasons, they would have these arguments. They would have these same fights that all kind of fit under the same umbrella of Caitlin felt maybe a little bit disrespected. Chris felt a little bit frustrated with Caitlin and you know maybe how uptight Caitlin was at certain times, just certain things like that. But there was a baseline level of respect and reassurance for their relationship that existed in the beginning seasons. You're not seeing that anymore. You can really, really see in these episodes just the disillusion of their relationship. Yeah, I mean, things were not going so well at this point, which, by the way, this episode aired in 2011. Two years later in 2013 is when we find out that they are now living separately. So, yes. None of these episodes are centering around the issues in their marriage, but especially when you do this rewatch, is hindsight 2020 or what? I mean, there is some major subliminal messaging going on here that I don't even think they were that tuned into. I know we said it last week, but it seems like there's something every episode. Well, you know what else is interesting now thinking about it? Kim and Kanye followed a very similar pattern that Chris and Caitlin did in the sense of we haven't gotten to this. The best episode of the season is coming up, which is the trip to Bora Bora, which is Caitlin and Chris's 20th anniversary where they renew their vows. And then two years later, they split. Kim and Kanye renew their vows in that episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And it was around two years later that they split. I'm going to tell you right now, I have watched enough Kardashians and enough Housewives that I could be married for 20 years if my husband asked me to renew our vows it is an immediate no. It has been proven to be, at least via reality television, the kiss of death. I'm sure there are people that have had very positive experiences. And if that is you, God bless you. I genuinely mean it. But I am absolutely scarred from the amount of vow renewals followed pretty immediately by divorces that I've seen. You know what? If there's two things I'm not doing, it's renewing my vows or signing a prenup. And that's on Lisa Hawk signing Chris Jenner. Amen. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because... 
Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So one of the main plot lines of episode six, as we mentioned before, is Kim and really the beginning of her journey with her psoriasis diagnosis, which as we see throughout this episode, initially she's really panicking and we see it all works out okay and she makes it through her Skechers shape up photo shoot and everything's fine. But, you know, if you kind of zoom out for a second, one of the things that she says in her initial state of shock, yes, partially it's because there's a change in her body that she doesn't recognize and it's uncomfortable. And of course she's a little bit freaked out as anyone would be, but she also says a line like, you know, think about the headlines when I gain a pound, imagine what they're going to say about this. And it was one of those moments to your earlier point about they were the perfect level of famous where you see that she's very aware of just how documented her life has become. Whereas if this were to happen four seasons ago, she still would have been freaked out, but I think it would have been dominated by the fear she felt from maybe a vanity perspective and a medical perspective, and a lot less of worrying how this was going to be covered in the press. It really hit me when Kim said that line about, you know, I gain a pound and there's a headline about it. What are they going to say about this rash all over my body? What are they going to say about my psoriasis? And just the deep concern for how this medical issue that she had going on was going to be then perceived by the public as a reflection of her body. And, you know, I was really thinking about the Pamela Anderson doc and, and the discussion we had about that. There was also a very clear ownership that the public felt like they had over Kim's body as well. Even last week when we were talking about how iconic Kim's ass was, and kids today will never understand the entity that was Kim Kardashian's ass, 
there was still an ownership that we felt as the public that gave us permission to talk about that so freely, to speculate whether she had implants, to, you know, know any time she gained or lost weight and how that affected her butt and how that affected her image. And I have to say, a lot of that probably also has to do with Kim having a sex tape out there in terms of the ownership that the public felt and the freedom that they felt to just criticize her without regard for the human that she was. Yeah. And if I'm going to be my most honest, I don't think that that's a realization I had until relatively recently, not as recently as watching the Pamela Anderson documentary, but in the last maybe six months, because if you were to say that exact thing to me a year ago, I would have fully agreed, but I probably would have fell back on the point, something that I still believe, which is it's not just Kim, it's women in general. It's the way that media covered women. And it's true. And they still do, even though there's been major strides. But the sex tape correlation just like cannot be lost on us. That invasiveness did not fully leave her. And some could argue it may never have. I mean, to me, there is such a separation now. But yeah, she was really stripped of a right to privacy and almost like bodily autonomy in a way that I do think was far more correlated with the sex tape than I had realized previously. I mean, and listen, there's always the aspect of she's on a reality show and therefore because of that we have a right as the public to certain things about her that we wouldn't feel the same way about other celebrities. I think that's something we do a better job of now as the public is understanding where the line is, where a celebrity or a reality star has the right to show us what they want to show us. And then when they decide that enough is enough, or they decide to draw a line in the sand at a certain point in terms of their own privacy or their own autonomy, then we as the public in turn respect that a lot more than we used to. I'm not saying everyone's perfect in that regard, but it definitely is a different vibe than it was in 2010 and 2011. At the time, the combination of what the public already felt towards Kim as a result of the sex tape and what they had thought of her in their minds to be, on top of the reality show, I mean, forget about it. There was no right to privacy for anybody in the family as far as the public was concerned, but especially not Kim. And I think there was a certain point where Kim was desensitized to that fact or felt like they were right about that because everybody was giving her a career that I don't think it was until really going through the Kanye divorce and keeping a lot of that private where she really understood the difference between like, I'll show you what I want to show you and I'll keep what I want to keep and that's just going to have to be fine for you. Yes. And I have to imagine that was a very powerful shift for her. But also, if you go back to what we were saying at the beginning of this episode, one, they still had a lot to prove. Second of all, they still had a long ways to go in terms of the success that they were trying to achieve and the kind of content they knew they had to put out in order to get there. But what's so interesting is like they've gotten to the point now where because the business of what they've built is so interesting and it's become such this fucking empire that the logistics of the empire themselves, which to them would seem very boring and kind of just routine, are so fascinating for us. Like we fucking salivate to know where they keep their car keys when they have 13 cars, what it looks like in the inside of her office. Let's we want to see the candy dishes in like the Kylie Cosmetics office. The stuff that is considered to them mundane. They have the benefit of it still feeling so otherworldly that we're so interested that they actually almost have a cheat code in terms of not having to reveal a lot of 
what of course we die to see because the other stuff still is so interesting to us, even though they may consider it fluff. Like that to us isn't fluff. The fluff is the bullshit storylines in 2023. But you want to sit and have a conversation about glam in Kim's Rick Owens office? Like we're here for that all day. Back at this time, they didn't have that same luxury because we wouldn't have been interested in those more mundane conversations because we didn't care enough about the, the spaces that they were in and the world that they had built. I know I kind of got away from your initial point and I think that it's a very powerful one, but as you're talking, I was just thinking about like this in the more general Kardashian landscape as a viewer. No, I mean, it's such an interesting conversation because what you're talking about is a switch from being entertained by them to being invested in them. At this point, it's not like they had to give us these major plot points because more than anything else, we were just entertained by them. All of these silly little plot lines, all of their fights and and the relationships that they have were just entertainment for us. It was like watching any other reality show. What they've managed to build is an audience of people that want to know so much about them because their life is so, uh, uh, like you said, otherworldly. It's unfathomable to us that even the smallest details satiate us to a certain extent. Well, because they have become farther and farther away from our idea of normalcy. So anytime they do something or engage in something that is relatively normal or something's objectively normal, like making a milkshake with your younger siblings we are actually satiated in a very specific way. One that I still, and I maintain this, and I would say this to them if we're ever to have a conversation with them, which is in a way that they still don't understand. They really don't get it. They can say that they get it. Kim maybe gets it more than anyone of you know, understanding how much we care when she is showing a tour of her bathroom, but they'll still never fully get it because it's not something you really can get unless you watch them and you weren't them from the very beginning season. I don't think the person whose basic days are that fascinating to other people can ever really get why it's so fascinating. So I don't necessarily blame them for it, but yeah, it's a, it's a wild concept when you really think about it. Even though, like if you're going to ask me, of course I'd rather the deep conversations. Of course I'd rather Kanye at Kim's hotel room at the Ritz on Central Park South bringing the computer from Ray J. Like, holy shit. You know, yeah, I want to hear Chloe telling us about the ins and outs of Tristan's infidelity. You know, I guess that's the thing with them is that it's not one or the other. It's not like you get these smaller pieces of insight and then you're so fulfilled that you don't want the bigger things or you don't need the bigger things. It's just that somehow they've created a relationship with us where we're almost equally as interested. It doesn't replace the bigger stuff. And I think that's that's really what I, I mean here, where, like you said, the little ways in which Kim organizes her closet or just the little interactions between them. Who's driving who to carpool? Who picks up who? Whose nanny has whose kids? Like those little pieces of information only add to the story that we're being given by them. But at the same time, there is this part of you as you're watching where when they don't cover the big stuff or they don't delve into it, you almost feel like you're being lied to where you're like, wait a second, I know that that went on because I saw it in the news. It's weird of you to not cover it. Back then when these episodes were on, that's a luxury that they had in the sense of like things weren't as big in the news, weren't as prevalent in the news. So they didn't always have to cover it in an episode. Whereas now it, it feels off when they don't. Well, I don't even know if it's necessarily that it feels off when they don't cover it. Because as we said earlier, with this level of fame we get, we're never going to get that same type of insight. But it does feel off to not acknowledge it. 
Like just to say, yeah, this was going on and give us a confessional and then kind of call it a day. The total lack of acknowledgement when everyone watching was so intimately aware at the time, that's when there's a little bit of a disconnect. It's like you can't blame them for not getting into certain things that you maybe knew they were never going to cover, but you can't try to rewrite history as if it wasn't going on because we were following it in real time. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry Family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, Once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com promo code CBC. I agree though. I'm all over the place as well when I talk about this and when I think about it and it is so episode to episode. It's like, I'm talking current day, you know, like I don't think that there is a perfect formula they can follow every single time because it is so circumstantial and so dependent on the events that are going on in their lives at the time and who it's happening to, who the other person involved that's outside of the family and their level of it being discussed, what type of hell will make the family member's life for discussing that. You know, it's different when it's something with Tristan versus something with Kanye. Like it's just so much. I've, I have a million thoughts and I know everyone, like, I know it's not just us, you know, like if you really care about this and you're really watching, you also could probably sit and have a conversation with yourself where you prove and disprove your points time and time again about what makes an episode a good episode. It really depends what is going on in their lives at the time and what feels priority. I also feel like with this particular thing in terms of the way that your head spins when you really think about it, the reason that also occurs is because of 
the impact on pop culture as a whole that it's had. And the fact that, like we always say with the trajectory of the Kardashians, this should have never happened. You couldn't teach this. This could never be replicated again. There's no blueprint for the fact that they started out as this just reality family taking you through the mundane events of their life that were a little more chaotic and a little bit more open than you had ever really seen a family before. And then they ended up being the most famous family in the world aside from the fucking royal family. And that's not a dramatic statement to make. That's just a fact. And so I think that when you think about what goes into these episodes and what they're giving us now versus what they're giving us then and the way that it fits into the whole pop culture landscape, it makes your head spin because it it doesn't really make sense that this happened. You could go over every single episode in the way that we are and really dissect what made this work, what didn't work in this episode. And then the exact same thing that made one episode work and not work is in another episode completely reversed. No, I know there were a million different factors, but I will say one thing that really carried them through for a long time and has continued to, obviously it's been less and less recently as members of the family are less willing to participate. But earlier on, just the sheer size of the family and how willing every single member was to participate, that was huge because you never got bored by one person. It never felt like there was an oversaturation. The second that you were bored of one person's storyline, there was someone else that was married to an NBA player or was having relationship issues or was having a business issue with Chris. Like there was always something else to tap into and it really kept us fed for years and years and years. And yes, slowly but surely they kind of dropped like flies, Rob and a little bit Kendall, a little bit Kylie in terms of how much they were willing to divulge. But that was huge. And that certainly contributed to the longevity of at least keeping up. I mean, my favorite part of these episodes now is Kylie and Kendall in the peak of their teenage years. I mean, I think that I forgot what it was like to watch them grow into adults before your eyes. I think that when I think about them being on the show, I think about them as really little kids in the first season. And then all of a sudden Kendall was a model and Kylie was, you know, King Kylie, Kylie cosmetics. I forgot about these teen years because, Oh my God, they are literally suffering through the most embarrassing point of their lives, which I don't think in the moment they were like, oh, this is so embarrassing. But 13, 15 is the most embarrassing age you can be. I mean, like, I I feel it so deeply what it would have been like for me to have to been on a reality show at that age. And so watching them go through that, I, I, I cannot get enough of that. No, Julie, I know. Like Chloe's sitting there at the old Calabasas dining room telling Caitlin that now is a good time to have the talk about the birds and the bees with teenage Kendall and Kylie. I said to you, I was like, I don't know if it's just because I'm high, but watching this, I feel like I've entered another universe. And it really does feel that way. It feels like these are files that have been deleted from the internet and we somehow are gaining access just for the day to be able to analyze it on a podcast. Like, I can't believe this footage exists. I don't even have any sort of eloquent or profound commentary to give because I'm fully in a state of shock as I watch this and then go to my Instagram and see Kylie posting a video with her second child heir. It's like, how did we get here? I would do anything to sit down with Kylie and Kendall and rewatch these episodes, these specific seasons of them at this age, because I think they forgot. I really do. There's a part of me that wonders if having the cameras there and the whole thing being a show actually made some of these conversations a little bit less awkward because of like the production of it all. I don't know why, because everything would point to the opposite that like, 
the more attention and all of these cameras and people in your home while you're talking to your dad and your older sister about sex, like would make the experience significantly more uncomfortable. But I actually do think there was a part of it that the like entertainment value of it all potentially diluted the situation. I guess maybe because it seemed more like they were acting than having a serious right. conversation or actually like having to talk to their dad about sex. I don't know. Like, you know what I was just thinking about too? I can't believe that we have followed Kendall and Kylie specifically on this journey. Kendall, like in the most recent season, we're seeing her walk in the Prada show. Kylie, who has just become a billionaire. And we get on camera, on footage, the first time they're having a sex talk. Like, how is that possible? It's fucking crazy. I know. I can't. Like, I literally can't believe it. And of course, Chloe's the one to do it. I mean, the one thing that has stayed so consistent is just how her relationship had so much more of a maternal edge to it than their relationships with anyone else. I don't know. This is like amazing. I could, I, there's not that much to say, but if you watch this and we're like, holy shit, I cannot believe this is Kendall and Kylie. Same, like really, really same. I felt like I just needed to tell everyone, oh my God, this footage exists. I know. Anyway, anything else that you would like to mention from episodes five or six? I think that's it, kid. I think so too. I don't even think we talked about them that much. We just got on tangents, which seems to always happen with these, but par for the course. Par for the course. (laughs) Okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Isabel and I will be back for Bravo, and then we'll see you next week for our regular episode. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because... It's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.